0: This is Polar Geopolitics, a podcast analyzing the global and regional implications of rapid environmental change and rising international interest in the Arctic and Antarctica. Hi, this is Eric Paglia in Stockholm, Sweden. Welcome to episode 47 of the Polar Geopolitics podcast. We're very happy to have on the line just as he's about to depart for yet another uh, diplomatic mission uh, ambassador petteri veromaki finland's ambassador for arctic affairs and senior arctic official in the arctic council i can actually highly recommend following ambassador veromaki on uh, twitter it's quite informative and entertaining get a lot of insights into the work of a traveling diplomat working on uh, arctic issues so ambassador welcome very much to the Polar geopolitics podcast thank you for taking the time to uh, join us here today
1: thanks very much um, eric for having me it's great to be here and Congratulations on pronouncing my name correctly, and thanks for the uh, Twitter promotion as well.
0: Yeah, nice it's, 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 a, it's a great uh, great Twitter account that, that definitely everyone that's interested in these issues should certainly follow. Also, you, you happen to like cats as well, I've noticed. Uh, and, who does, <laughs> and who doesn't like cats, right? So, uh, Ambassador, um, yeah, so what I want to talk to you about today is a number of issues related to your work uh, with the Arctic, and uh, specifically with the Arctic Council to start with. I was in Reykjavik uh, a few weeks ago, as were you at the um, Arctic Circle Assembly. There's a lot of course discussion about the current situation with the Arctic Council, which is on pause because of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and all the uh, implications of that. Some were starting to talk about the idea of moving on without Russia, creating something that could be referred to as the A7 as opposed to the eight members. Of the Arctic Council, something you stood up and very forcefully rejected as a way of approaching Arctic politics. Perhaps you can explain why you're against such an idea.
1: Well, I, I think it's important to bear in mind that there are eight Arctic states in the world. Um, there are eight Arctic permanent members in the, in the Arctic um, Council, and, and that has not changed. We have not suspended Russia, um, despite the atrocities that it commits in, and continues to commit in Ukraine. Um, what we, the seven like-minded states, announced in March uh, was that we do not consider it possible to take part in the official meeting, the Arctic Council, but that we hope that that sometime in, in the future we can find some pathways to um, cooperation. That's the reason why we want to. Avoid any insinuation of the existence of of, of Arctic salmon.
0: Do you mention uh, future pathways? I mean, now it is um it happens to be Russia's um, period of being the um the chair country of the Arctic Council until I believe May of next year. They took over after Finland, um which was the previous uh, chair country of the uh, Arctic Council. so is there is that the next sort of decision moment when it becomes is it Norway next? After Russia's chairmanship is finished, is that when something will happen? Or is there any, any plans to how to approach the future of the Arctic Council um, as of the moment?
1: <laughs> I think you managed to embed in a one sim- simple question a um, um, whole lot of sub-questions. Uh, I just correct the fact that it was actually Iceland that was the previous chairman. I was in the Arctic Council ministerial meeting in Reykjavik in the May of um, uh, twenty one. But, but you're indeed right that the next German uh, will be Norway. What, what we did then in June uh, was that we announced a partial resumption uh, of our activities. And those uh, projects where Russia was not involved, uh, they are underway. But we still don't have formal meetings um, and, and we cannot make formal decisions for the moment. And I think the the focus, um, you are right in in alluding to that, the focus will will have to be now on the orderly transfer of the chairman from the Russian Federation to to Norway um, next spring. So that's where our focus is for the moment.
0: My apologies to Iceland, uh, as the previous uh, chair of the Arctic Council. Uh, everything kind of went through a time warp during the pandemic. Of course, in a couple of years, kind of got like shit yeah. out of my memory. I was thinking, of course, of the of the uh, of the uh, ministerial in uh, Rovaniemi in uh, 2019, very uh, in some ways a dramatic one. Um, but uh, that's another matter that perhaps we can return to a little bit uh, later. Um, so. If we say that next spring is uh, an important moment, what actually is happening at the moment uh, amongst, if not... Official Arctic Council business. You mentioned a partial resumption of Ar- Arctic Council activities. But what actually is happening amongst the the senior Arctic officials, like yourself, and others that uh, want to keep perhaps the um, the diplomatic channels, the the some of the the ongoing processes and projects alive during this pause? Can you can you say a few words about what actually is happening amongst um, the, the the top diplomats working with the Arctic Council related issues at the moment?
1: Well, I think the important thing to highlight is that the the already mentioned ministerial meeting in May of 21 that um, approved the work plan for the Arctic Council, um, and the Arctic Council had about 130 different projects. Um, the the partial resumption that we announced in June meant that those projects in which Russia was not involved uh, they were uh, resumed. So there's a lot of important work in the context of these projects um, um, underway. Um, even though no formal meetings are, um, are, are taking place. Um, other than that, we are trying to uh, find uh, the most appropriate way to ensure the orderly transfer of the of, of, of the chairmanship. And I think uh, Norway is also uh, looking into the, um, their chairmanship. Um, times are not easy. I mean, this is a challenging uh, time. I mean, that's that I can, can admit, and, and, and this is a great pity. I, I just want to add that the, the, the last Arctic Council meeting that I took part in was in Salihard, the Russian Siberia, last December. And that was a fantastic meeting. It was very productive, very forward-looking, very very sort of um, um, in good atmosphere and, and concrete. Um, and I, I, I returned from there full of optimism of, of the things that we could achieve. Uh, and, and then, of course, the, the horrendous uh, events uh, started on the 24th of uh, February, and that changed uh, much.
0: It certainly has changed. And one of the things that um, has uh, affected one of the effects of this pause of the Arctic Council that uh, was quite uh, one of the, I say one of the main topics of discussion at the Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik uh, recently was the. Um, was the the platform that the Arctic Council provided to give voice particularly of course to the uh, permanent participants the um, the uh, indigenous people's uh, groups that uh, are um, very, very central to the work of the Arctic council. They in some ways have suffered at losing this, this main international platform for their perspectives and their concerns, as well as the observer states, these um, non-Arctic states that have um, invested quite a bit in becoming uh, active in Arctic governance, uh, being observers to the Arctic council. I think they also feel that they've lost a the voice. Um, I've even heard some some grumblings uh, on the side at the at the assembly of uh, some indigenous peoples groups feelings they're being excluded now We're in this sort of unofficial uh, whatever is happening at the moment that is not really official Arctic Council diplomatic uh, business. It's they're somehow they feel they're extra excluded because they're not they're not having a seat at that table of these informal consultations that are perhaps taking place between some of these um, senior Arctic officials and diplomats. What can from an your own personal perspective, and perhaps uh, as sort of representing some of the other voices, senior voices in the Arctic Council, how can, in this indefinite interim period, when the Arctic Council is on pause, how can the voices of Indigenous peoples and observers be um, taken into account?
1: Well, I I mean, there are some limits to what I can um, disclose, um, obviously, but I, I just know that the any insinuation or rumour or allegation that the Arctic Council would be dead or that it would die um, uh, are just simply not true. Um, this this is something to which I reacted rather forcefully in, in the Big Arctic Circle Assembly in one of the um, discussions there. I think that is a misunderstanding, uh, and I already described what we have done and, uh, and what is likely to happen. I've kept saying, and I... And I really would wish to underline the importance of the role that the Indigenous Peoples, our distinguished permanent participants, have in the Arctic Council. In my sort of presentations, I've, I've always said that the Arctic Council is important because of three main reasons. One is the multitude of things that it does uh its projects and activities which range anywhere from wildfires to permafrost to biodiversity to climate change to search and rescue and, and what have you. Um and, and the second point is the Arctic Council's role in the Arctic governance. Uh it is a forum, it is the most important multilateral circumpolar format for Arctic um cooperation, which brings together the eight Arctic states together with the indigenous peoples. And I think the third important element indeed is that the indigenous peoples' organisations have an incredibly uh, strong and powerful position in the Arctic Council. It is important for them, but it's also important for us representing the Arctic states because that is the the thing that makes the Arctic Council um, so um, unique. And I think, um, I mean, I, I I understand the concerns and and and, and criticisms that. The prevailing situation has, has has caused in on, on many corners but but we are fundamentally trying to to, to find the, the best way uh forward and and we are talking to our um indigenous peoples uh organization colleagues as well um so we're fully aware of their concerns and, and, and thinking but but again i mean this is This was an unforeseeing, unprecedented situation where we have found ourselves from 24th February onwards, and we're trying to find the best way forward, which will ensure the Arctic cooperation, the Arctic Council, and the role of the indigenous peoples to the best possible extent.
0: And the issue of the observer states was one of the priorities during the um, the Finnish uh, chairmanship of the Arctic Council a few years ago. How are they being engaged with an Arctic issues now during this pause? This has this become more of a bilateral thing between Finland and China, for example? Or is there any sort of collective discussions going on between Arctic diplomats like yourself and the, the various observer states?
1: It depends what you mean by collective. But I mean, um, I have been in sort of a, a very frequent uh, contact with uh, quite a lot of the existing observers of the Arctic Council, one would have to bear in mind that there are 38 observers of the Arctic Council, which in itself uh, testifies to the global importance of the Arctic Council. Many of them have approached me. Um, I've approached several and um, I've informed them and and explained the situation and listened very carefully to their their, their views and ideas. And I think all my my colleagues in the other Arctic capitals are, are, are doing the same thing. And and there are also, in addition to the 35 states and organizations, there are also several others out there who have expressed the wish or determination to apply for the observers within the Arctic Council. Um, obviously, in the current situation, since we are not operating normally, since there are no formal meetings of the Arctic Council taking place, that places certain restrictions on our ability to engage with the observers. But that doesn't mean that the information doesn't flow and sort of dialogues continue. I've been trying to summarize this by saying that the Arctic Council as such is not on pause. What is pause is the formal meetings of the Arctic Council. And from that, it follows that currently uh, we are not able to make decisions. Obviously, should there be a new application for observer status that will require a, a decision and a process, that for the time being we're not able to do. so I've been sort of passing the message to to current and possible potential new applicants to say that, that give us a bit of time I mean this is, this is it's difficult it's challenging and, and we are doing our best in trying to find the best possible way um, forward but we will uh, in due course revert them in the normal business, also without observing.
0: Of course, everything we're talking about here today um, revolves to a great extent around Russia and Russia's invasion of Ukraine and all the things that have come of that uh, in the Arctic and, of course, all around the world in terms of geopolitics. And, uh, Ambassador, you you have personal experience with Russia. You've been uh, stationed in Moscow uh, in in other um, capacities in your diplomatic career. And, of course, Finland, being a very long land border uh, neighbor, of Russia, with a very special status during the Cold War and even afterwards, um, do you have any any anything you could share any thoughts on how to engage with Russia, the challenges of dealing with russia and and, and their place in the Arctic, and just their their general approach to international relations well
1: um, what, what can I say i mean I'm a person who one way or the other I've devoted i think some thirty four years of my um, public service to um, sort of relations with Russia in in various capacities and the the sort of cooperation structures in the north including the Arctic. Um, 24th of February was an immensely sort of black day for me personally Um, and I I, I don't have an answer. I I don't know what will um, um, happen Um, how and uh, if and when we would be able to identify some forms of cooperation? It's, at this moment, I don't think anybody would be able to to answer that because the the, the focus now has to remain on on supporting um, uh, Ukraine and uh, making sure that the the, the violence stops and, and, and indiscriminate shelling and, and killing of uh, of Ukrainian stops and a way towards peace is found. I, I think that's, that's the priority now. Any sort of talk on, on how would then one after that what we could or should do, I think it, it's premature at, at this moment. The Time is not right for that discussion yet.
0: Of course, it's a very fluid situation with much uncertainty. Uh, one, one of the Tangible implications of this black day that you mentioned, the 24th of February, has been uh, Finland and Sweden's application to join NATO. Uh, still, um, I, w- I wouldn't say up in the air, but it's, it's certainly not um, it's not a finished process yet. But uh, assuming that this will eventually happen in the weeks and months to come, what are the implications, do you think, uh, for Arctic cooperation uh, in terms of the Arctic Council and other other different forums that that are used as a way of of governing the Arctic? Now, with eventually seven of the eight members of the Arctic Council being uh, NATO members as well, what impact do you expect that will have? Uh,
1: Well, uh,
0: the the change in the
1: security policy in environment um, would send less to the applications by uh, finland and sweden i mean one obvious change will be that the, the issues of military security or hard security will become more important they 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 attain rightly so uh, more attention so there will be more cooperation more um, more dialogue and and uh, attention and so forth but i think the, the sort of message that I have consistently trying to convey in, in a number of different fora is that when that happens, we must not allow that to overshadow everything else which is of crucial importance in the circumpolar Arctic. And I'm, I'm talking about the, the immense threat posed by the climate change and the loss of biodiversity, I am, I am talking about the indigenous peoples and their their their, their culture uh, tradition um, and livelihoods um am I'm, 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 I'm talking about the the people in the Arctic at large and the sustainable development sustainable investment to the uh, communities located in very uh, big distances from each other so, so there's a lot to be done in the circumpolar um, um Arctic. And, and and that work needs to to continue. We we, can, we, we cannot afford uh, not focusing on, on climate change because if the, the the Arctic warms I think four times faster than the rest of the world. There there are parts in, in, in the Arctic Svalbard if I remember correctly that warms six times faster than the rest of the world. This requires a concerted effort. This requires a lot of concrete uh, action. And saying this, I'm not at all implying that, that the sort of hard security the military security is not important. Of course it is. But it's important to bear in mind the sort of larger picture of Arctic circumpolar situation and, and, and the need for co- concrete um, action.
0: I mean, geographically, the Arctic and the Baltic do not overlap. But certainly two areas of concern uh, very much uh, in Finland's neighborhood, let's say. Finland's not an Arctic Sea littoral state, but it's very much a a Baltic Sea littoral state. How does does that stand at the moment from Finland's perspective, considering everything that's happened with Ukraine, with the Nord Stream pipeline in the Baltic, and the current situation in the Arctic, um, and also with this uh, upcoming NATO membership as well? How does Baltic and Arctic issues go together from a Finnish perspective in the year 2022?
1: Well, I I think in terms of security policy, there is, of course, an element of um, um, interconnectedness and Finland is both an Arctic state and we're a Baltic Sea state. So we're right in in, in the middle of these two regions. So in terms of security policies, it's it's very important to to maintain the overall full picture of the changes uh, taking place. And, and to make sure that we we are we remain vigilant and, and that we are uh, uh, prepared. I mean, I, I think on the NATO membership, I think Finland and Sweden are also providers of, of security uh, to the to the alliance. Um, both of us um, have a pretty strong uh, military force, um, um, fully capable in that of Arctic environment. So I, I think we are. We are an asset to our, our, our future partners in the, in the alliance and that that would need to be born uh, bore in mind as well.
0: And at the moment, what is Finland's Arctic? agenda and the priorities that you're pushing forward, both domestically and uh, in the international arena as well, even during this pause period of the Arctic Council, what are your top priorities? You mentioned climate change. We talked about security, indigenous peoples. What, um, what are the main issues that, that are of Arctic concern for Finland at the moment?
1: Well, I think very much those that, that you already um, listed yourself. It, it is the, the the Arctic Council to retain the Arctic Council as the most important multilateral format. Um, we've also been uh, very vocal in in promoting um, the European Union's Arctic policy. Um, obviously, the situation of the indigenous peoples is very high on our list of priorities. But then, as, as you said, the, the climate change and sustainable development and, and the people of the Arctic, because we, we live in the Arctic, we're, we're not observers outside the Arctic. We're, we are in the Arctic. Uh, and if, if if you look at the uh, the Finnish Arctic Policy Strategy, which was published in the June of 21, uh, you will find uh, all those elements there. We just need to currently then see what changes the changes in the security policy environment will introduce uh, these, uh, these 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 priorities. So that 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 reflection is underway. And, of course, we have elections coming up next spring, so that, that's something that we need to also bear in mind.
0: Now just as a uh, final question, Ambassador, you've been um, a public servant. I think you mentioned, was it 34 years or something? You've been uh, working yeah. with foreign policy and diplomacy, and now uh, most recently as, as an Arctic ambassador. And also you've worked uh, with uh, the Antarctic issues for a time as well. Perhaps you can give us just some reflections on what it's like, what are the um, perspectives of being a top Arctic diplomat, as opposed to working with diplomatic issues, geopolitics, in other contexts, uh, does the Arctic present different sets of challenges, or is there is it pretty much diplomacy just in a different geographical uh, location and on a different scale? I, I think it's
1: much more than that. It is. I mean, I, I've anecdotally I used this before, but in 2019, when I was appointed to this, I, I said to my my family around the dinner table that I'm going to be Finland's Arctic ambassador. And, and my daughter, 17 at the time, then looked at me and said, are you then going to save the world? Um, and, and there is this element of, of uh, that the importance of the Arctic way transcends the borders of the Arctic with we're, we're, the climate change in the Arctic, the philosophy of diversity, the thawing permafrost and, and, and everything else is so, um, so closely related to what happens elsewhere in, 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 the world. And I, I have a, I think it's fair to say that I have a I have a deeper personal conviction to the post that I know, now hold than that, that's beyond the normal call of duty. I really fundamentally, um, very deep inside of me feel that I'm, I'm, I'm doing something which is Valuable, the theme of Arctic cooperation and, and, and Arctic um, uh, reality. It, it's important for my own country. It's important for the whole of the circumpolar uh, region, but it's also important for the whole rest of the world. It, it, it sounds sort of grandiose, but I, I, I think that is the case. The Arctic is I- immensely important. And as time moves onwards, it becomes ever more uh, important for a uh, great many different reasons.
0: And certainly extremely interesting as well. And uh, from following you on Twitter, as I as I mentioned before, you also, it's very clear that you enjoy your job. And uh, I would I would add that you do it quite well. So, Ambassador thank you. Petri Voramaki, thank you very much for joining us here on the Polo Geopolitics Podcast. It's been very informative. We've learned a lot from you. We'd really like to have you back on at some point again in the future.
1: Thank you, Eric. It has been a pleasure here. will just keep talking to you. I'm happy to be back.